Hello and welcome to Farm Her. Today I am joined by a group of amazing women here in the studio for our first segment. I've got Kristen Clark with Food and Swine, uh, Lexi Merrick and Carly Cummings both on our Farm Her team. So thank you ladies for joining me um, for our uh, show that's going to continue after this. We are going to be talking to a woman. This is beef month. Did you know that May is beef month? And guess what our name is? Farm herd. The farm herd. Happy beef month. Happy beef Ooh. month from the farm herd. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Uh, that's my best. I think your cow like- is sick. Yeah. Call the veterinarian. Yeah. Here, let me. I'm gonna practice later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so but everyone does like moo. If you ever listen to a real cow moo, it, yeah. Okay, so we're going to be talking to a woman from Colorado named Elin Parker Ganchow, who uh, raises cattle, and she has her own grass-fed beef label called Sangre's Best. And um, she's been a rancher her whole life. She grew up on this ranch. They have a guest ranch there too. So it's it's a working ranch. And then they have like a, a spot where people can go rent and stay and ride horses. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, Your pictures from there gorgeous. on the Farm Her blog. Yeah. Oh my gosh. They're at the base of, so um, it's not the Rocky Mountains. It's a different mountain range. Of the way. I don't have it in my head or in front of me right now. I want to say the blog. Sangre de Cristo or something <laughs> like that. I made that up. Um, but anyway, they're in Colorado. And uh, so we're going to be talking to her a little bit later in the show. But as we kick off Beef Month, I think that uh, we've got a joke or two here. Who's, who's, who's got a joke? In, in the spirit of the veterinarian, we have to call for our sick cow on the Aww. team here. Okay. <laughs> the cow is sick. What are we going to do? This is actually a joke that our veterinarian told us. Okay. The joke is, what is the difference between God and a veterinarian? Oh, jeez. Nothing. Um, um, I don't know. I mean. We got to throw somebody. Okay, do you know what's terrible is I'm pretty sure your husband when we we were like working on pigs one time and we needed a vet and he was trying to make the situation lighter and he told me this joke and I pushed it out of my brain. And you forgot it already. The difference between God and a veterinarian. God doesn't think he's a veterinarian. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty good. Uh, And I can only tell that I love all of our vets. Um, that we have on staff and everything. I can only tell it because one of my favorite vets who is actually a lady told me that. So yeah. hey. there you go. If a vet tells you that you can tell it to it anybody works. else. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I love it. For sure. There was that with humor. Yeah. 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 Good one. Um, there was another beef joke that you guys, I, oh. I heard it get thrown out a little earlier. Okay. Well, Kristen, you got another one, but I got one too. Um, this one's also sponsored by Laffy Taffy, not sponsored. <laughs> Thanks to the Laffy Taffy. Brought to us by. And what falls down but never gets hurt? What falls down but never gets hurt? No idea. I'm going to start a segment of Lexi singing. What, what's the answer? What falls Snow. down? Let's Snow. Let's think mountains in Colorado. We're talking oh, to Elon. Talking about beef yeah. in Colorado. Yeah. Dang, that's Snow. a good one. Right? Yeah. Good job, Laffy yep, Taffy. Yeah, sure. yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kristen, did you have another one? Can I do a, another beef? Yeah, joke. Let, let's please. Beef, it's beef month. Let's kick it oh, off. May is beef month. May which, is beef oh, month. Yes, another excuse to eat steak. My favorite yeah. thing mm. ever. This kind of goes in with our little farm herd deal. So I'm kind of giving giving it away. But mm-hmm. what happened to the lost beef shipment? It got moved. Ooh, that was oh, good. That's funny. That was actually really good. It's just nobody's 
herd. Like H E R D. Nobody's heard, heard of it. <laughs> From the farm herd. Oh shoot. <laughs> um, so what's your favorite way to eat beef? Oh, all of the ways. Yeah. All the I mean, I buy an extraordinary amount of ground beef, of course, because you can yeah. do anything with it. Yeah. But man, can you just give me a cast iron fired off ribeye medium rare? Your ribeye cook girl? it in butter. Do you cook it in I'm butter? Hungry. Actually, a sear in oil because the burn point of butter, the butter will burn the dairy solids, okay. and the butter oh. will burn at your high searing point. So mm-hmm. then I finish with butter instead. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, I, I like a fillet. Something. Can I do it with a fillet? Like same deal. Oil? Yeah, same deal. You just have to preheat super hot, and you sear on both sides in oil. Like okay. you're going to season and sear. Yeah, and then you're going to put it into the oven at 350 for you know five to ten minutes, depending on the doneness and the thickness of Seriously. Uh, yeah. And, and when you go in into apartment. the oven, you can do it in, in your apartment. Yes. And then you're going to finish with a pat of butter on the top. As you go into the oven, it's going to melt over your steak. You're going to have all the flavor and not the burntness. <sighs> awesome. Happy. Yeah. My stomach is growling. Yeah. I know. Now um, I'm hungry. I need yeah. meat. Margie, come on. It's time for us to go, clearly. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening here to this first segment. Be sure to stay tuned in as we talk to Elin Parker Ganshaw here later in the show. So thank you for joining us. Hey, guys, this is Margie from Farm Her. I want to remind you all that we have some really fun, functional, cute merchandise out on our store at farmher.com. And fall has arrived in the Farm Her market. We've got some new sweatshirts, hoodies, one of my favorite windbreakers out there. So check it out at farmher.com. Today, I'm joined in the studio with Lexi Merrick from the Farm Her team, and we'll be talking beef today. May is beef month, and we have Colorado producer Elin Parker Ganshaw on the phone with us. So Elin, thank you for joining us today. Uh, Speaking just for myself, just personally, you know, beef is a big part of my life. (laughs) It matters. A good steak on the grill is uh, one of my favorite foods. So, um, and and I know that uh, those types of things come right out of your ranch. So let's just jump in today. Uh, Elin, first off, why don't we, um, let's take it back a little bit. Why don't you tell me about your story and what connected you to agriculture and led you to where you are today? Okay, sure thing. And thank you for having me. I'm I'm just really, I feel honored to be on the program. I love what you do. Uh, I, I was born uh, on a cat, onto a cattle ranch. I, my mom and dad, uh, both were, um, oh, multiple generations before them. Uh, they were all from Southwest Kansas and farmers and ranchers. And so Eastern Colorado is where I was born and brought up in ranching. So I learned to love it from a, from a very young age. Awesome. Okay. I have a very important question for you. (laughs) What is it going to be? Okay. First off, I'm hungry. Second off, <laughs> Margie's already talked about food. What is your favorite cut of beef? Oh, yeah. And how do you cook it? Oh, okay. Good. Now, is that your second question or is that your first question? <laughs> okay. Um, part A, part B. <laughs> Still very important. My fa- Okay. My favorite cut and how to cook it. Okay. All right. Well, I... I think uh, what comes top of mind for me right now is is a roast, oh. and it would be a chuck or an arm roast. And I think that for a lot of people out there, they're like, really? That doesn't sound that exciting to me. But what I love about that, that roast is that you can 
you can start that in the oven in the morning when you're up having your coffee and your breakfast. And then you can turn that oven down low onto a very, very low temperature, go off and leave it all day long. You can go, you know, be um, out playing, working, whatever it is. And whenever you get in that night, the house is full of this beautiful aroma. The roast is surrounded by all the juices. I don't add any water to it at all. If you cook it properly, mm-hmm. it will be falling apart done with all these juices around it. And the biggest problem you'll have with the, with this dish is knowing when to stop eating it. It is so delicious. And the grass-finished um, roast is way beyond any, that flavor, the flavor is way beyond anything anyone will have ever had. Did you just so that's my, my favorite. Did you just hear my stomach growl? Like it's, growling. It's yeah, <laughs> Elin. I don't know if you said this. Do you sear it before you put it in the oven to cook it? Like my mom okay. used to do that, and I don't. But she she swore it like locked in the the flavor. Right. So my mom did the same thing, but I came up with a way to sear it without all the hassle. Uh, like it's a hassle to do that mm-hmm. on the stovetop the mm-hmm. way my mom used to do it. So what I do is, and I've learned a new trick this year too, which is all the meats that I cook, I use salt. Uh, apparently kosher salt has properties that are unique, but I'll, I'll, I'll put, put salt and then the um, seasonings that I want on this roast on in advance on the countertop. Then I'll turn that oven up to say four, 500 degrees or 450, 475, 500, anywhere between 450 and 500 is fine. And then with the lid off, uh, blast it in there for about 30 minutes. And it will do all that braising, or not braising, but all that sealing in and all that browning and all that wonderful. And then all onions around it, mm-hmm. uh, turn that heat down to warm, like 190 or something. One, yep. It can be 200 or less. I think 190, 180, 170. Anyway, put the lid on. Don't add any water, go off and leave it all day, and you cannot overcook that roast. It, it, it literally, you don't have to worry about, oh, I got to get home because roast is going to be done. Forget that. You go do what you have to do, and when you get home, it's ready. Wow. Yeah, I love it's that. It's fantastic. It is. You know. Yeah, and, and here's the other thing. You can change up that roast to any kind of seasoning. If you want to go Cajun, do Cajun stuff. If you want to... Do a Southwest style roast, add, you know, when, after it's browned, when you put the onions in, add green chilies and some tomatoes and things like that. And, and all of a sudden you've got a different thing. And then as the week goes on, you can change it up to barbecue beef or. Yeah. Yeah, Cause you're going to have to keep eating it. Cause you know, yeah. End up with stew, end up with stew at the end of the, you know, like you can make three or four meals out of that. that are all totally different meals. Yeah. So that's got to be, and the price is right, right? So anyway, I get most excited, I think, about, anyway, and that's part of the thing I, I'm, I'm going, to, going to be doing even better than ever, getting into our website with, with all these tips and tricks oh, yeah, good. Um, on how to enjoy our beef, because there's all these underappreciated cuts yes. that, yeah, that make eating our beef like really affordable and delicious. So which matters, anyway. you know, I'm I'm feeding a family of kids who are all of a sudden like the hungriest little people <laughs> on the face of the earth. So, you know, affordability <laughs> and making sure that everybody likes it matters. Um, Elon, I'd love to jump back a little bit. I, I absolutely love that detour, but we have to 
not talk about food for a minute because I feel like my stomach is going to jump out of my body. <laughs> I need to go <laughs> get, rolling. I need to go get some roast right now. Um, no. Uh, so I'd love to know, I mean, I know you grew up ar- around ranching. What does Music Meadows Ranch and your beef business look like today? Can you give us just kind of a, a general overview of what the business is? You bet. Uh, so Music Meadows Ranch is the second ranch my mom and dad purchased and owned. And it's it was, it was three and a half hours from where I grew up in the eastern plains of Colorado. And Music Meadows Ranch is in a gorgeous, gorgeous part of Colorado, south central Colorado, right at the foot of the these majestic Sangre de Cristo mountains. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people who have moved to that area and our valley, West Cliff area, because of the scenery. It's just spectacular. So for my dad, he found this ranch that was so beautiful. He always dreamt of having a ranch with running water and trees on it. And that was what he found in 1960 and bought it. So our, my family, my, my mom and dad have passed away. And so I have sisters and a brother and we all own it. And the grandchildren all have part of it. It's in a family company. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they, I lease the ranch from my family, okay. from, you know, from the corporate thing. And I lease it. And then I operate um, a guest operation there in addition to running the cattle there. And it's, uh, it's, it's the, I, I would call it a micro dude ranch. Yeah. So mega cattle, mega land, micro dudes, mm-hmm. right? Not too many, like one small group at a time. Yep. And they, they are able to stay in the ranch house there. So while we're fattening up our beef cattle in the summers and this ranch concept for the guests is open year round. So I actually offer winter horseback riding. And I've seen where we looks cool. yeah, go out in the winter and ride and people love that. Um, so that's kind of the music meadow side of, of what I do. That's like another enterprise on top of the beef business. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Elin, I'm going to, we have to jump to break here. So let's save the beef side for our next segment, because I know you've got two kind of unique sides of your business here. So thank you everybody for listening here on Shining Bright, the Farmer Radio Show. We'll be right back in just a few minutes talking with Elin Parker Ganshaw about uh, Music Meadows Ranch and Sangre's Best Beef, her uh, cattle operation in Colorado. Today we are talking beef and I'm joined by Lexi Merrick, my co-host here today. And we are talking to Elin Parker Ganshaw. And Elin is a producer, a beef producer in Colorado. And for those of you who've been following Farm Her, Elin was actually on our uh, TV show in season one. And it, it's an, I can attest, she was telling us earlier about Music Meadows Ranch, which is the guest ranch side of the operation. And it is in one of the most beautiful spots that I can picture right there at the base of, did you say Sangre de Cristo Mountains um, in yeah. Colorado? Yeah, just absolutely gorgeous. Um, I've never been there. And those pictures, I just want to go there yeah. so badly. Elin, you described your guest house and that is going to be on my bucket list. Okay. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I'll come visit. Lexi's going to book the dude ranch. Um, cool. I can't wait to, I can't wait to uh, teach you how to cut out a, cut out a heifer out of the bunch. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> I'm in. Um, so Elin, when we went to break, you were telling us about the music meadows side and um, I'd love to hear next about the beef side. Cause you've got, like I said, two very distinct sides of your business um, that, that you operate. So if you tell us a little bit more about the cattle you raise and um, what you do with them, that'd be great. Sure. 
Sure, I'd love to. So our grass-finished uh, beef is uh, it's all fattened and finished right there on Music Meadows Ranch. So unlike many of the operations raising uh, grass-fed beef, we don't raise them from birth. I actually purchase uh, female like cattle, like two-year two-year-olds or even butcher cows for our ground beef program from local ranchers, and I get them in the spring, and then we fatten them up, and they are they're killed, you know, throughout the summer months and into the fall months. And so on the ranch, there's no cattle in the wintertime. So, so what we basically are offering is um, the, the consumer at home uh, a good alternative, a great alternative for um, if they're looking for better beef, bottom line. Uh, if they're looking for better beef, we're, we're a great source for that. We price it reasonably, and we've got shipping direct to consumer now. And then we also sell to some restaurants. That concept so that's, is that's so... In a nutshell. Interesting. And and when you buy from local ranchers, do you work with them directly straight off their farm? And and if I'm right, if I'm if I'm understanding what you're saying is you only buy females? Yes. I have experimented with fattening steers yeah. and they will fatten and they can work, but there's a couple of strikes against them for the grass finished um beef. Number one, they're more expensive to purchase. Because uh, steers are higher priced than heifers. Uh, number two, uh, they don't fatten as easily uh, as heifers. Uh, it's, you know, it's a, what is it? A, what do you call it? A physiological fact yeah. that the females carry more fat naturally than the males. Darn it. And well, that's not fair. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. It is, it is what it is. And, and then also with the, uh, for, doing grass finished beef, if you, you can easily fatten up a two-year-old heifer. So mm-hmm. a heifer that comes in the spring, I call it a heifer. She's still basically a heifer, hefferette. Uh, but they come in without a calf, don't have a calf at their side, you know, by say this time of year, um, March, April, May, right in that time, then those ranchers are going to sell that animal anyway. And so, so I have pretty much going to intercept them and get them straight from the ranch. Yeah. So interesting. So those cows would technically become coal cows and you are able to put a, a better, like make them something, a higher value, make them into a higher value. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Otherwise they would just take them to the sale barn. Right. They sell as a single or, you know, they might have two or three or four or five or 10 of these depending on the size of the ranch. And so they've got the expense of hauling them to sale, their consignment fees and all of that. Well, by selling them to me, I pay the same price they would have gotten at the sale barn, but they don't have all that expense of taking them to the sale and paying the commission. And I have a buyer, uh, someone I know who knows all these ranchers personally, and he gets them for me and they're all raised according to our protocols. So the no antibiotics, no hormones, that kind of thing. And so that works out really well for all of us. Yeah, this is it, it is a unique uh, setup versus many of the ranches or farms that we visit. What made you decide to do it this way? Did you did you see somebody else doing it this way, or, or was it just something that you've grown into over time? Uh, it it uh, it's something I figured out figured out on my own. I hadn't seen anybody doing it, but it but it made um, well. There's two reasons. 
uh, at least two or three reasons. Number one, I had been, uh, in my first 25 years, uh, I, I, I'm remarried without going into anything personal there, but, mm-hmm. but I was in a cow-calf operation for 25 years, and I knew the demands of that whole cycle, that year-round commitment of, of having resources for those cattle. And so by doing, by doing it the way I'm doing it, I'm able to take the resource, the ranch resource of, you know, 4,000 acres of grazing land and devoted entirely to, uh, devoted entirely to, uh, um, the beef, you know, to, to raising those beef animals and without, um, uh, tying up all those resources to go from conception to finish, which would be another 18 months. Right. So on each animal. When you stock your pastures so, in the spring, how many head of cattle do you ideally want on your land? Well, in, in an average sort of year where we have moisture, we're not in a drought. The ranch can can uh, handle six, probably six to seven hundred head mm-hmm. of so cattle 4, acres for of the summer months. months. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'm not finishing that many grass fat bees at this time. We haven't grown our business that large yet. Okay. So I have a, I have a, a sublease, if you will. We graze yearlings for uh, my nephew, Rhoda. She was on the show. Yeah, she's uh, still working with you? Ranch for me. Yeah. Yeah, so her, her son is going to be bringing yearlings in. And I just tell him how many I, I want him to send for the, get, for the summer. We fatten those up, but they're not grass-finished beef. They're younger. They're not finished. They're not for that purpose. Gotcha. And those are um, feeder, so, feeder cattle, steers, and heifers? Yes, and those would be similar to what we had when you did the, when you did the, broad, the, the mm-hmm. farm herd so, program yeah. with us. That's what we had out there. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I, I do remember, you know, talking about the way that, that you do this and, and it, it is unique. It's, it's such a beautiful so setting. Unique. It's It's been your whole life, but you've transitioned into different ways of doing it. And, and so there's so much uniqueness surrounding you and your story. <laughs> and then to top it off, you mentioned Rhoda, uh, you know, to be at a ranch where it's not only run by a woman, but the ranch manager is a woman. It was, it was a really fun episode to get to record and to share that story. So was that um, almost two years ago? It was, it was, we were there two so. years ago in May. It was still cold. Okay. I remember my eyes watering and, and running cause the air was still chilly for sure. But, um, well, we have more questions for sure for you, Elin. Uh, but we have to head to break here in just a few minutes or a few, a few seconds, not a few minutes, but I want to uh, remind everybody, thank you for tuning in for shining bright, the farmer radio show. That's all about everyday women doing amazing things just like Elin. So women who are making the ordinary extraordinary. And today I'm joined by Lexi Merrick, guest co-host here in the studio. And uh, in honor of May being beef month, we are talking with Elin Parker Ganshaw, who is a producer in Colorado and uh, uh, doing things her own way, I would say, in, in a unique way. She's got a Music Meadows Ranch, which is a guest ranch there, and also raises uh, grass-fed, grass-finished beef. And um, so, Elin, uh, thank you for being here today still. And um, I, as we go into this segment, you know, we, we talked about Music Meadows. We talked about how you raise your cattle. Um, 
Let's talk about the marketing end of things, because I think um, in in an operation like yours, where you are marketing it to the consumer and you're, you're finishing it all the way in your ranch and, and uh, direct to consumer, I know you have some restaurants in there. Tell me about how you market uh, your beef. And, and is that a challenge? I mean, because you're a producer, you raise cattle during the day, you know, so putting on your marketing hat. Yes. Yes. So it is, it is a challenge. And I think one of the biggest, um, I guess the blind spots that I had when I went into this was how complex this business really is and how ill-equipped I really was to, to, you know, accomplish all the different things that are required. Marketing being one of those. So marketing has been a frustration, uh, because money's been spent on things that didn't work and weren't, you know, weren't a good plan. There wasn't, you know, just this whole developing the strategy, um, in hindsight, you know, unfortunately I've learned it inside out. And so even as we speak right now, I'm taking advantage of some really good instruction through entree leadership. I think that's one of the best resources I've found lately. What it? What is and it? So that's, is re- it an that's online resource. Entree leadership. It's a Dave Ramsey group. Okay. Oh, yeah. And they offer a lot of free resources, and they also offer other resources you can pay for. But but anyway, basically, I'm um, I'm kind of learning now afresh um, how to really tackle this marketing piece mm-hmm. and how to place those priorities and so on and so forth. So I'm excited about what I'm learning and what we're going to be bringing into play. Um, but, but yeah, so it's been, it's been kind of a long sorted journey of uh, mistakes, if you will. That's so what business. we're really, yeah, what we're really looking at right now is we, we basically, we're not selling into grocery stores and chains and don't have any desire to do that. That requires another whole set of sophistication that we don't even want to go there. But the direct to consumer market is still really strong and it's actually offers us our largest margin, uh, gross margin, uh, that we can get is when we go direct to consumer and that's at prices that consumers appreciate that are good. And so we also have some restaurant accounts that are really good. And so I wouldn't mind duplicating those, you know, having a few more of those types of accounts like the skirted heifer, which made it onto diners, drive-ins and dives, which is pretty neat accomplishment to, to say that we were part of all that. That's awesome. Where it's called the skirted heifer. Yeah, so basically, it's uh, we're set up with an online um, ordering, online ordering of our beef right now, where people can get ten pound packs of, you know, steaks, steak and burger combos, and it's just a matter of making that process easier and easier, so that it's it's just a no brainer to do business with us. And then um, the you know quarter beef sales is is like the perfect sale. So we're looking at how we can solve all the all the, um, oh, what would it be called? Stumbling blocks or issues or frustrations that people have around utilizing or obtaining a quarter beef. And so just things like, for example, having an option where it's shipped out in six increments, maybe instead of all at once. Yeah. I mean, you know, those kinds of things. We have a deep freeze in our garage, but that's always my first concern is where would I put all of this meat? I mean, I would put a lot of it in my freezer, but it has other things in there, you know, that we eat too. So that's a great My family seriously just bought another freezer because we had a cow that needed to go to the butcher Mm -hmm. and it was either 
Don't do anything with that cow and don't benefit from its deliciousness. Or buy a freezer. Or buy a freezer. Yeah. So that's, I mean, for people who are everyday consumers, shipping out in increments is is a wonderful idea. Yeah. And then, right. And then another another way to address another, uh, I don't know if it's a concern or a potential negative is, in a quarter beef, you you get 25% of the beef is steaks. Uh, about 35% of it is burger, and the remaining is slow-cooked cuts, such as uh, roasts and stew meat and and so on. And so what if you want to have a dinner party? Um, you want to have ribeye steaks. Well, you didn't get enough ribeye steaks necessarily in your quarter beef to have a dinner party. You certainly wouldn't have any left for you later. So by having these 10-pound boxes where you could buy 10 pounds of ribeyes, 10 pounds of New Yorks, 10 pounds of filets, you know, then you can augment your quarter beef and get and maybe you run out of burger. A lot of times people love the burger so much that they run out of that first. And so you could turn right around and augment your quarter beef with exactly what you need to fill in the gaps. And so that's another thing that we're doing, you know, and people love that. Do you have a local butcher there and do you work directly with ordering the different cuts of meat? Uh, People will be able to this fall pre-order their, if they buy a half a beef, they can say how it how they want it cut. But it's it's only going to be on, um, you know, by because when the butchers are cutting up a side of beef, it's all going to get cut one way. So let's say you and Lexi want to go together. Each of you are going to get a quarter beef. You two could decide your cutting instructions and then fill out a custom cut form. Otherwise, you get it the way we have it done. Um, we've kind of learned over time what's most acceptable to most people. And so we have a standard cut that your quarter beef and you know exactly how it will be when you get it. Mm-hmm. But our local, as far as local butcher, we have a local butcher that kills the cattle for us. And then we send the carcasses just a hour and a half down the road to, uh, to have them fabricated and uh, packaged. And it's all cryovac, flash frozen. Um, then we have a warehouse in, in that, in Colorado Springs is where it is. So, mm-hmm. We warehouse the beef there, and then it, it gets shipped out from there. I, I'm always amazed when uh, people have these processes in place to to ship meat, you know, like a, a perishable product. How I don't know why it always amazes me, and I love hearing about the back end of it, of how you do it. I mean, and on your website, you know, there's another part of your juggle right there is you've got a website to manage because that's how people order this, right? So I assume it's been yeah. a process of learning there as well. It, it is for sure because that's not my gifting at all, and I'm not I'm not tech, technical for that that end of it at all. And so we've you know we've again went through a myriad of of uh, different players you know who've helped manage it from you know or rebuild it or so on and so forth. It keeps morphing over time. And right now I'm engaged with well I've got a gal who who basically set that whole shipping platform up as recently as November and because uh, we didn't have a shipping platform set up until then, but she had experience. Well, I introduced you to her, Lacey, mm-hmm. yeah. Lacey Richardson with yeah. Southern Alaska Seafood. So she had a, she had already set up all those processes for her seafood. So it was really easy to adapt, Yeah, uh, to take advantage of her knowledge. Um, 
her brain damage over getting all that done and, yeah. and be able to then utilize it for us. Connecting with other women who know what they're doing. It's, it's amazing power. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. We've got one more segment left here with Elin. So stay tuned. For those of you who might have just tuned in, I am here with Lexi Merrick, guest co-host in the studio. And we are talking to Elin Parker Ganshaw, a beef producer from Colorado. And when we went to our break, we were talking about marketing and all of the knowledge and the learning and, and the, um, you know, all of the everything that has to go into not just producing the cattle, but to selling it to the consumers. Uh, but Elon, um, while there is that upside and all of that good stuff that goes into it that we talk about, tell me a little bit if there is a downside to this or um, what maybe some of the struggles have been as you've gone through building this operation? The biggest struggle has been the learning curve um, just around running a business that you really don't, you know, because just because you know how to raise cattle and fatten cattle up doesn't mean, you know, anything at all about going, like you said, going all the way to the sales to the consumer and that whole business. So it's been, it's been that learning curve has been steep and it's costly. You know, it's like they say, you can either pay your, you can pay your dues in the um, school of hard knocks or, you know, by going to some seminar, right? Well, you get the seminar one way or another. So, so we're still, we're still looking at how to be profitable with this business. And, um, and I'm most encouraged though than I've ever been because we found some resources that are helping me change the way we run the business. And one of those, I just have to mention it, is Profit First. It's a book written by Mike McCallowitz. And again, I found him through the Entree Leadership people. Okay. And so the Profit First model uh, completely answers the question, how do I move from where we are to profit? And the other key component is having a really sharp uh, book person doing your books and I happen to have someone who's also, she's a project manager. She can do spreadsheets like crazy. And so she just made me a spreadsheet to end all spreadsheets. It's like six layers deep and it shows all the cash required for the coming year, how much, you know, beef we'll think we'll sell. And it adjusts, it auto adjusts as we go based off our inventory sheet. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I know more now than I've ever known about our numbers and that gives me reason to have hope that we will show a profit this year. Yeah, because that needs to happen too. You know, I mean, you can you can have a love for this industry and a love for the land and and a desire to carry on the tradition that has has come before you, but you have to be able to make it work financially. Absolutely. What what number of year are you in for the business? Well, um, there was a first there was a first run at the business, and then there was a long pause, and then back in with rebranding. So. It, Real quick summary is uh, launched uh, grass-fed beef business in 1995 called V Bar Beef, and that was that was cattle we were raising from birth at that time, Hereford cattle. So we, we I pursued that for six years, and then in 2001 I had a terrible accident with a horse somersaulting and crushing me and almost killing me, and I decided I just had to stop that beef business because it was not profitable. I was raising four little kids. It was really not sustainable um, because of the HR, you know, Mm -hmm. there's like, I was the HR person on everything. (laughs) So I quit that. Then I rebranded and started over about 2010 and um, have been 
you know, engaged with this Sangre's best beef brand since then. And so long enough, I mean, long enough, the IRS is going to be going, hmm, they're supposed to be showing a profit by now. So it sounds like you're learning and adding things in, you know, and you you mentioned the book and uh, the network, um, the Entrepreneur Network, but have industry organizations played a role at all? I mean, you're doing things kind of different than a lot of cattle producers. And I, uh, we always push people, you know, to be involved in your industry organizations. I'm wondering, like, how you lean on them or or do you? You know, not not so much. I mean, I an RCAF. RCAF is, I don't know, you're probably familiar with, you got National Cattlemen's Association, then you have RCAF. It's like the two political mm-hmm. <laughs> groups in the cattle industry. Anyway, I'm an RCAF you know, proponent and all that, but it's more, it's not really giving me hands-on help with what I deal with. Um, I tried getting some help from small business association, uh, here in Southern Colorado, but it really didn't offer me the solutions I was needing. It's really until I kind of, until I plugged into entree leadership that I started getting real answers, like concrete answers, do this. Yeah, and that's and interesting because it's from a result, and you know, you know how the the cowgirls have these like little um, sayings, and cowboys too, and it's like you can't push a rope. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, or a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. Yeah, it's like I could be doing ninety seven things right in our business, and to have three critical links that are missing or not working properly. Yeah, and I, that will keep me from. A profit. And, right? and I think, I mean, for those people listening, I think that one of the things I take away from your story is you don't lean so heavily on other producers and how things are being done. You're focusing on profitability in your business. It's a, it's a business focus, not just a raising, raising cattle focus, yeah. you know, and it's kind of a different way to look at things, but I think a really important one. So I, 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 I like the fact that you're saying you have different areas that you look to that aren't ag focused specifically. I think right. that's wonderful. Right. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a smart thing. Diversity is good for anybody, yeah. right? In, in any industry. And um, so that's, that's a good thing. Um, well, and principles, principles carry, carry across all, all genre of, of business. I mean, there's principles that work no matter what you're doing. And so you can, you can take those from any industry and apply them. I, now there is one guy I really look up to and that's Kit Pharaoh and Kit Carson, Colorado. He has, and it's mostly his philosophy, which is totally like, adding more fun and profit into cattle ranching. Hello. Mm -hmm. That's if it can't be kind of fun along the way, then I don't want anything to do with that either. So profitability and fun in, in raising cattle, that's a good thing. And he's got all kinds of ideas for how you get out of the box. I love that. That's wonderful. Um, at farm, her mentors are so important. Everything you're saying is tying right into the farm, her brand. Mm -hmm. So one more question before we are done, I would like to know, what advice you have for young woman, women or someone just wanting to get involved in the beef industry? First of all, it's like, don't ignore your passion because you could be born in the Bronx in New York City and have this <clears throat> amazing passion for agriculture. So don't ignore it. Don't stuff it. Don't let other people talk you out of it. And then the other thing is, you know, find someone who you would you can see that they're doing 
things in a way that you think look right and then start, um, you know, come alongside, show them what you're worth, show them they can't do without you, (laughs) Mm -hmm. come alongside and start learning from them and then just start looking for where your opportunities are going to be. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Jinx again. Uh, Elin, thank you for that. You know, it's, it's been a pleasure to know you and to get to listen to your story and to share your story through FarmHer. So we really appreciate it uh, for you joining us today. I know you're a busy woman. This is your host, Margie, and I'm joined with Lexi Merrick from our FarmHer team here. And as we wrap up this show, I want to tell you about some amazing FarmHers. So if you didn't know, you can tune into our television show. It airs every Friday night at 930 Eastern on RFD TV. And this week, we are going to take you from Illinois to Georgia. So starting in Illinois, uh, I'm going to visit with Tori Straight Matters from Sparland, Illinois. So Tori grew up on a farm. And in this episode, you will hear her share about what a big impact that had on her life. And today she continues to work in the agriculture industry. She works at Growmark and she still goes home to the family farm a lot of weekends. And uh, the reason that we visited Tori and we became aware of her was she was the winner of Syngenta's Thrive contest in 2017 for the Rooted in Ag contest. And um, for that, they have to submit an essay and it asked the growers or other industry professionals to describe a person who most nourished their agriculture roots. And Tori's uh, definitely was talking about her dad and how he connected her to agriculture. So tune in. We'll uh, introduce you to Tori and her family and their farm and uh, her role in agriculture as a farmer. And then from there, Lexi's going to take you to Georgia. Georgia. Uh, yeah. So this is part of the next generation segment that we've done here in season two of Farm Her, and that is shining a light on young, younger people just getting into the agriculture industry. So we go to Atlanta, Georgia, and you think like maybe there's not a lot of agriculture there. In it's Atlanta, like you were in town, like, in, in, in it. The most southern part of Atlanta in one of the poorest school districts that are in the city. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people that live in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So it's very, it's a food desert. Mm -hmm. There is food at gas stations, but there is not access to grocery stores. There is not access to, a lot of people don't even have vehicles there because they're in the city. I can't even imagine. No, it's a completely different life Mm -hmm. than what... We are used to where there's not food desert. Right. Um, so not only will this episode open your eyes and show you what it's like to be involved in agriculture in the city. And that is through Ashley Rouse. Ashley is a mother. She has a degree in agriculture. And she actually took me to the Boys and Girls Club in Southern Atlanta mm-hmm. at the Joseph B. Whitehead Boys and Girls Club. And there they have a garden. A rooftop garden? Was it a rooftop? So we went to two places. Okay. Okay. So at the Boys and Girls Club, it is a regular, beautiful garden mm-hmm. that these students get out there. They have uh, classes and teams and and they grow their own food. And something I didn't think of in Georgia was food grows all year round. Yeah. So, it's hot there. Yeah, I kept asking her, like, so what are you going to do? Like, with, what do the students do in the winter? They grow food. Yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> like, they're weeding and they're they're looking for bugs. And 
okay. I asked like three times probably. Yeah. <laughs> but that was really neat. And then the rooftop garden that you had just described is at the high school just right around the corner. And mm-hmm. we go there too. Mm-hmm. And that was, um, it wasn't with an FFA program. It was just with the high school. And they had a grant and Ashley came in with her job and was able to work with high school students. This was a big garden mm-hmm. on top of a, a rooftop. It The school is kind of built into a hill. Mm-hmm. So we drove up a sidewalk above the hill and then the school was underneath us. Awesome. Yeah. And just the whole episode is focused on getting the youth, getting their hands dirty and getting them involved with where their food comes from. And it gives them an opportunity to grow food and they might not be able to have that food otherwise. Yeah. I always think that school gardens in general, whether in uh, an urban setting like that, or you've seen them my in my kids' schools. Rural you, settings. you name it. It's so important for kids to get to see that process of how food is grown. And I think that there's like um, like a power that comes. Yeah, of, I did this. I grew this. Right. And they. It's amazing. They're so exposed to good foods yeah. for you. Those kids. Um, they're. I think they were third graders, and they knew every single food in that garden. It's yeah. so impressive. That that's so it's cool. Warm feeling. Yeah, it is. So it's gonna be a good episode. So to remind all of you, you can tune in to watch the TV show on Fridays and Sundays at 9:30 p.m. Eastern, only on RFD TV. And be sure to visit our website at farmher.com because there you can read more of these stories on our blog. You can see the pictures that we've taken, you can see video clips. And you can just dig in deeper to their stories, learn about our events, and of course, check out our merchandise while you're there. 